I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Purple Insider is presented by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com and use the code PURPLE for a first deposit match up to $100. prizepicks.com, code PURPLE. Terry Horstman is here. He is a Minneapolis native. He oddly does a podcast covering <laughs> Oregon State called Belligerent Beeves, which is why he is down there uh, in uh, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. Also covers the Minnesota Lynx for the next and is acting as our on-the-scene reporter from the Senior Bowl. So uh, what's going on, Terry? Why don't you start off by setting the Senior Bowl scene a little bit. Tell, tell us why this is important for the evaluation process, why it matters that you are at the Senior Bowl. Uh, why it matters that I'm at the Senior Bowl. Wow. Well, first, thank you for that introduction, I think, having the word Senior Bowl correspondent by my name uh, is a dream come true for uh, uh, 10-year-old Terry who fell in love with the NFL draft and watched every pick of every round. So uh, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity. Um, today, an exciting day, uh, day one of Senior Bowl practices. And I think to just display the buzz that's happening around Mobile right now, I got to the first practice of today, which was the national team practice, which started at 9.30 a.m. I got there at about 9.30 a.m. and was in line to get my credential for <laughs> almost an hour. Uh, there were 1,100 credentialed media last year at the Senior Bowl, which I believe was a record, and I'm sh sure that's been far surpassed already. And of course, at that 9.30 a.m. practice was Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix on the field. So um, we don't always get such compelling quarterbacks uh, at the Senior Bowl. Um, last year, you know, all due respect to Max Duggan and Jake Hayner, but they uh, they were not being mocked in the top 10, as at least Bo Nix is right now, um, per your uh, last uh, episode with Manny Hill. Um, and Penix, you know, is certainly in that round one conversation. Uh, there's a lot of buzz around many of the other players um, here as well. I think it's been probably since like 2020 when uh, Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert were on the same uh, same senior bowl team. So they got to go back and forth and practice a little bit. So it's definitely been a few years before we've gotten that, you know, real sort of uh, sexy quarterback matchup. So people are excited. <laughs> and first day of practice, you know, it's uh, a lot of hype, but it's teams who are playing with teammates for the very first time. So it is important for the scouts uh but you can kind of tell they're getting to know each other out there so there are some great throws today but also you know a couple you know mis mis uh, you know communications on routes a couple drop passes but i think that's them uh shaking the jitters out and um yeah it was a good practice for both squads though and i think there's going to be a lot of fun players to talk about this week 
Additionally, there has been a lot of players who played in the Super Bowl that mm-hmm. uh, the Super Bowl, the Senior Bowl, right. that uh, Minnesota Vikings uh, brass, whether it was the mm-hmm. previous regime or the current regime, has liked and ended up drafting from that game. And they're down there, of course, with every other team evaluating these guys. But it's certainly a different wrinkle to yeah. have two quarterbacks that they could potentially be looking at if indeed they do not bring back Kirk Cousins. And I suppose there is a universe where they bring back cousins and then draft one of them anyway, depending on how it would uh, play out. But for the purposes of the show, we'll kind of focus on uh, (laughs) either one of these guys being possibly the next franchise quarterback for the Vikings. Now, I was very impressed by a four second clip that I saw from Bo Nix, where someone asked him in his press conference about draft analysts not thinking that he can process defenses or something to that effect. And he said, that's out of my control. And then went (laughs) to the next question. Love that right away. Really, really like that. Why would you be concerned about what a thousand draft analysts think about whether you can read defenses? Um, But how did Bo Nix look uh, when it came to on the field? Uh, he looked like I thought he'd look, you know, he looked very, very poised, um, definitely had a few uh, throws today where his arm strength was uh, on full display and um, was making, you know, good pushing the ball down the field, uh, connecting with a lot of different receivers. And it's was just efficient. And that's, you know, impressive when you consider that he's throwing the ball to, you know, a lot of guys who I'm sure they've, you know, either played against each other at, at times. Um, Bo is a you know, Alabama <laughs> product um, grew up here, played his uh, first few seasons at Auburn. Um, but yeah, I think what's been impressive about him is just sort of how easy he's always made it look and how efficient his uh, offenses have been at Oregon. And that sort of analysis is kind of just like punishing him for being good in, in college where one of the criticisms I've heard is like, well, we don't know how he like would handle like turnover expected plays or like things when like plays when everything goes wrong. And it's, I'm like, well, he didn't let things go wrong a lot. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, I think he looked every bit the part Uh, he's, you know, big and has that NFL arm and is pretty good at making, uh, you know, plays with his legs. I think you mentioned in uh, your talk with Manny about him rushing for over 500 yards and 14 touchdowns last season. Um, I think both him and Penix are pretty great at making plays when they get under pressure. Uh, neither, both of them had pretty good offensive lines in front of them, uh, but they were both, I think, the best against, against like pre- preventing sacks um, in all of FBS uh, last year. So considering what the Vikings have at offensive line, which isn't the worst, uh, but also definitely not the best, Penix's line obviously won the, not obviously, but won the Joe Moore Award last year, which is given to the best offensive line unit in college football. So it'd be a little bit of a downgrade, I think, in terms of the pressures they'd see. But both guys make plays uh, when they're put under pressure and they didn't see any real pressure today because it was practice and uh, it wasn't live or allowing hits and they're not going to let them hit the quarterback anyway. Um, But it was a continuation of the incredible regular season that both those guys put together. And it was fun to see them like go throw four or five passes a time and then come back and just like be chatting on the sideline and laughing about stuff while Sam Hartman was out there (laughs) taking the reps for the uh, national team. Um, So yeah, it's definitely (laughs) – in round one, uh, day one, round one of practices, they both have lived up to the billing so far. 
That's interesting. You mentioned about the, that sack rate, which I think is really important, and they have different ways of dealing with it. Penix gets rid of the ball yeah. uh, quickly when he's under pressure and finds his outlets because I think his mind works very fast. And with Bo Nix, uh, he's able to scramble. He's able to make plays off of schedule, which I think is a very, very valuable thing when considering it. It's interesting that you said that he's big because I also thought he was big when I was watching and I was going back, getting kind of ready for this, looking at some games of his. I'm like, oh, okay, so he's got to be like 6'3", 225 or something. He did not measure that way. Now, right. he measured just fine. It's not going to be a problem. But I think that because he's a really good athlete, he's kind of yoked, that he kind of looks like he's maybe a little bit bigger, a little bit taller than he he actually is. I guess when you get a chance to see him in person, uh, the athleticism, like how, how does that show up when you get to see him practice? Yeah, I do think it shows up maybe subtly, uh, more subtle than you'd kind of uh, expect. Like you don't really get to, see, you don't really expect that he's going to take off. Like he is a bit more yoked than some of these other quarterbacks that have been really talented with making plays happen with, with their feet. Um, so it's kind of like he'll take off and be like, oh, man, didn't realize he had that in his bag. And, um, and I mentioned this when we were chatting, but Bo Nix is a person who caused a lot of pain for my alma mater of Oregon State uh, this year. Uh, Penix has as well. But you get we've in the two games against Oregon State, which, again, I'll say is a pretty good defense. I think a thing that's going against both these guys in this draft process is. Penix didn't play a good defense until Michigan and look what happened. And I think uh, that just tell me you weren't watching the PAC 12 without telling me you weren't watching the PAC 12 because Oregon has a pretty fantastic defense. I'll give them credit. Uh, Utah had a great defense. UCLA um, who has a, Leia Tulatu, who I'm sure we'll talk about is getting mocked to the Vikings left and right. So we're going to have to talk about him. He's here in mobile. Um, but Nick's yeah, it's just like you even heard during college that he didn't have the NFL arm, necessary to push the ball down the field and he kind of just uncorks one and uh you know clearly has has a cannon that just doesn't quite look like a cannon um i guess so it's just the type of guy who is making the right reads and making the right throws and just makes it look kind of easy and it's not necessarily the same fireworks show that we got with Penix against Texas in the national uh, semifinal where he was just kind of launching darts between, you know, tiny windows, 70 yards downfield. Um, so they are different uh, in those ways, but I do think they are more similar in, in style and uh, athleticism and in their big playability than uh, a lot of people realize. So I, I know that you're only on day one there, mm -hmm. so you haven't had enough time to like talk to everybody. We're right. going to do another podcast as well. Well, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll have more discussion, but I, I wonder what you think about the Dane Brugler comment that Bo Nix could be in the top 10. Yeah. And I was just sort of chuckling about that. Like, man, this was the guy that I kind of targeted for, Hey, he should be available. And then people were asking, Oh, could they trade down? And then Brugler comes out with like a, maybe not, not so fast. Um, <laughs> but what, what is your, what is your feeling for both of these guys in the sort of mock draft community 
because I see them a little bit all over the board yeah. and especially with Penix. So I want to get into how he looked today, mm -hmm. but all over the board, it's a, it's a wide range for both where some people think that Penix is like a third round pick. Some people think that he's up there in the top 15. Some people think that Bo Nix is more of a back end of the first kind of quarterback. And now, you know, we're talking about potential buzz of him being toward the top 10. Mm -hmm. I guess, what, what is your sense for what the expectation is for both of these guys in the draft? I think the expectation in the mock draft community for framing the question right now is Nick's high, high end would be top 10 and probably more realistically further down, maybe mid first round. But I think that's just justifying much of the mock draft community, not listing Bo Nix and Michael Penix in mocks in first round mocks, like leading up until the end of the college football season, um, even, you know, more so now. And then that evaluation just always seems to take time. You know, I've followed the draft closely for, for years and there's just always, uh, you know, quarterback is the premium position. So of course a quarterback uh, is going to have the chance, you know, for sometimes it happens where teams fall in love and they're early risers. Sometimes you get, you know, Malik Willis being sort of teased as a high riser and then just, reverting back to the mean of probably where you know he should have gone but i do think both Knicks and Penix are risers and there are just a lot of quarterback needy teams like it's going to be fascinating to see what the vikings do because you go through that top 10 like what is atlanta gonna do are they gonna address quarterback uh well you guys were talking about daniel jones and the giants the the other day um because i think a lot of guys will have Knicks, Penix, and JJ McCarthy graded pretty high. And like a lot of the, like if you still look, like people are catching up, many mock drafts will still have JJ McCarthy as the fourth quarterback taken at about like 20 or so uh, with both Knicks and Penix uh, in the second round. But I think when you people are catching up on tape, both of those guys had probably some of the best tape. I think Penix had the best tape of anyone. I was screaming for him to win the Heisman Trophy, not to take anything away from Jaden Daniels. But as more and more uh, people catch up on that, those aspects of Knicks and Penix, I think people will be able to talk themselves into seeing it. And it's just going to take one team to fall in love and or, or panic and think that they need to trade up. Uh, like, I don't know if it gets to pick number six or seven and both of them are still there. What would the Vikings do? Uh, we obviously don't know how much they like either guy yet, uh, but that's going to be a fun thing uh, to monitor as we march towards uh, April. But I'd say to actually answer the question, I'm rambling here, but I'd say Nick's, is probably consensus around like 15th by like, if you just were to pull a hundred random mockers, um, he's probably mid first round and Penix I think is maybe low end of the first round, high end of the second. But like I said, it's, it's a very talented quarterback and was our, our, you can make a good strong argument for him to win the Heisman trophy. He's not going to have a Malik Willis style slide or or wait or even what we saw with will levis last year someone if either the vikings pass on them like i think quasi is going to be working the phones pretty hard <laughs> and i think that would be kind of a premium draft day for a lot of vikings fans if they were to take someone like a pass rusher or a corner at the 11 spot and then 
do the do the old trade back in uh, Rick Spielman move that he loved to do so much and, and nab a quarterback. Um, so yeah, I do think they're both moving up, and uh, there's a lot of respect for their draft slot in the draft meeting. I think by the end of it, they will be the four and five quarterbacks taken in this year's draft. So what we've seen from the NFL recently is if they're not all in on someone being their potential franchise quarterback, they usually let them slip to the second round. Sure. Uh, that there is an idea that is totally correct in my mind, analytically, historically, which is to just take a guy and yeah. see what happens, right? Because none of us are very good at predicting them and the NFL is not very good at predicting them, right? But the team still with a guy like Malik Willis or a guy like Will Levis, they were not willing to just say, hey, let's just take a shot on a guy. But but I think that the difference is, as you laid out, that Michael Penix and Bo Nix are complete quarterbacks who have played a ton of football yeah. who could step in right away to the NFL potentially. And even like think about a Daniel Jones where it didn't work out, but yet he was still a competent quarterback pretty quickly, played a ton of football in college. It wasn't a let's take a swing at a high end total uh, project. These guys are not really project type quarterbacks. No. And uh, especially with Michael Penix, he's played a ton. He's got a huge, huge arm, but he also is very accurate. He ran an offense that was pretty complicated. Mm -hmm. And I, and I want to hear about what you saw from him at practice, but I just think that there's a, a pretty big difference there between if you take one of those guys, your expectation is these guys should pretty well know how to play football mm -hmm. where uh, you're not picking a ball of clay just to take a wild shot on somebody that you may not even believe in, but he just has some tools. I think there's a big difference there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Nick's gets hit with that a little bit too. And the people who maybe don't watch a ton of college football, like during the college football season may still just be thinking of Oregon through like the lens of Chip Kelly and just like, Oh, it was just a college offense with all these running backs and like doing the, the weird banners that now like everyone does and stuff. Um, under landing, it's been a pretty, pretty similar pro style offense. And again, I think, he had great receivers. Troy Franklin um, was one of them uh, and a, a lot of good running backs as well. Again, if you want to punish someone for having good teammates and making their teammates better, then go ahead. <laughs> but it's going to be a hard to find anything substantive there. So there were guys just getting open like crazy because they ran it so efficiently. Um, but I don't think he will come into an NFL team day one and has to have their head spinning. And I don't think Penix will either. I think with Penix, it's, he had you know, three incredible re receivers and like the best offensive line in college football. Um, but if you're thinking about him on the Vikings, you know, Justin Jefferson's a pretty good receiver too. They obviously like what they have in Jordan Addison and hopefully uh, Hawkinson reaches the same level when he comes back from his injury. Um, so I think there's a lot of reason to believe that they could be successful on day one in an NFL offense, especially if you're thinking of the Vikings offense. And with Penix as well, too, that was a pretty complicated, not very just like, you know, air raid college uh, offense that was, you know, relied on gimmicks or anything that like he would be, wouldn't be asked to do in the pros. And I think another pro for both of them is they ran multiple offenses in multiple places. I think both of them having some adversity where things didn't work out, Nick's at Auburn and Penix at Indiana, 
though they did both see some level of success. Penix led Indiana to their best season in like 53 years or something like that. Um, I think both of those things you can be can be analyzed either way, but I consider that to be more of a positive that they went through those harder times where you know they weren't putting up just insane video game level stats and making all the throws uh, and learn from it. Like it shows that they're capable of growth and uh, um, sticking to it. So I think both uh, their college football histories, they both played a ton of football, as you mentioned. Um, So I think that there shouldn't be any fear with how they would, you know, react to an NFL playbook. So that's not a concern that I have with either guy. Folks, Lucy is upping the nicotine pouch game with breakers, pouches, packing a little something extra inside. What are Lucy breakers? If you know your pouches, then you know that the nicotine doesn't hit immediately and neither does the flavor. But the geniuses at Lucy came up with a brilliant way to fix both of those problems. They put a mini liquid capsule inside each breaker's pouch. So here's what you do. You get the breaker's pouch, break it with your teeth, and it makes a satisfying pop. Then put it in your lip and Enjoy the immediate nicotine and flavor release. Nobody is doing anything like this except for Lucy. It's a new kind of pouch technology only available from Lucy. There's six delicious flavors, including apple ice espresso and classics like mint and mango. Break up with your dusty gas station pouches and go to lucy.co slash purpleinsider. Use the promo code purpleinsider and get 20% off your first offer. Lucy offers free shipping and has a 30-day refund policy if you change your mind. That's lucy.co. Use the code purpleinsider and get 20% off and always free shipping. Now, here comes the fine print. Lucy products are only for adults of legal age and every order is age verified. Warning, this product contains nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, that whole discussion, Terry, is very interesting because it's like sometimes when I'm talking about the offenses and uh, penalizing guys for throwing to open wide receivers, we right. still do that in the NFL, by the way. <laughs> yeah, like it's, Brock it's a good Kirby, strategy. Yeah. Where every wide open – right, I mean – Uh, And, you know, this goes for Jared Goff, too, when he was with the Rams. Both of those guys got penalized by people like, well, there's not enough tight window throws. There's not enough wow throws from those guys. And look, I mean, usually it does take wow throws, which both these guys are capable of. uh, But 
also finding the person who's wide open, understanding where the ball is supposed to go, throwing it accurately to them. Like that's most of the throws in the NFL are not into a little tiny tight window. In fact, if you look at big time throw percentages in the NFL, the highest you're going to find is about 5% of throws that end up being big time throws. And also the turnover worthy plays seem to be a thing that carries over from college. And neither one of these guys have that problem. So what, what did you see from Penix? Because I'm curious about your reaction to his arm strength on TV. It looks really special and we see him dropping dimes to people deep down the field, but you got a chance to see it up close and personal for sure. Um, And I'll be, I'll be very excited to see how, how much they let both of them cut loose uh, for the rest of this week. Um, he they didn't go too crazy with anything today, but he was hitting guys between the numbers, um, and he was moving around uh, really well. Which you know he had, I believe it was an ankle he hurt in the national championship, so that looks to be uh, like a thing of the past, um, which is impressive. I don't think we often see. I haven't gone through the whole senior bowl roster history, but if a guys who play in the national championship game tend not to then turn around and play in a all-star game, quote unquote, like this quickly. So I think that is a tick in the right direction um, for his health. Uh, didn't run a ton. I think Nick's only ran, really took off on a couple plays. And of course, no one's going to hit these guys uh, in this setting. So, uh, but they both looked good and they were, the ball was getting out of there. You could see the zip on it uh, for both of them. Uh, they're victim of uh, a couple of drops, which will, of course, happen. Um, but yeah, there is no, no cause for concern with, you know, any, none of them, like neither of them looked unprepared <laughs> or, or not ready to uh, uh, meet the moment. But I also might have missed some throws while I was <laughs> in, in the line to uh, be handed our, our credentials. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure, you know, I won't have to wait in that line again to, tomorrow or on Thursday. So I'll get there to see their first throws of practice. So if they had to knock off any cobwebs, I'll be able to see. Well, uh, they really do get a ton of attention uh, for this bowl game. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, it kind of gives you an idea of the magnitude of what this could mean to the evaluations. I want to ask you about one other quarterback who's there who has kind of caught my attention throughout the years, which is Spencer Rattler. And when I've watched him, there have been times and my wife actually broadcasted a game of his against Tennessee where he went nuts. It was actually yeah. the game where Hendon Hooker tore his ACL, but Spencer Rattler was amazing in that game. And I was like, wow, who is this guy? And uh, he's got arm. He's got athleticism, but his college career is very up and down. And it is harder to convince me, of course, that a guy who had a mediocre career will suddenly be a lot better uh, in the NFL. And yet I still think here he has an opportunity to show something to be that intriguing mid round quarterback. And not that I am promoting this idea of the intriguing mid round quarterback versus (laughs) the first round prospect, but it's sort of like Spencer's got my attention because he's got some very interesting tools, right? Uh, Spencer has uh, a lot of people's attention uh, down here. I think, uh, I don't believe you used the word polarizing just now, but at draft drinking game, 
drink every time you hear polarizing and Spencer Rattler in the same <laughs> sentence. Uh, don't advise that because it's not safe, but you'll hear it a lot <laughs> over the next few months. And I don't know exactly where it stems from. If it's just a combination of things, there is a lot of mixed public opinion of him after he starred in QB1. I can't remember which season it was that he was on, but it was like after it became popular and um, didn't have sort of the catch all, you know, resounding success of being on a Netflix show like Kirk Cousins did last year. Um, so it was like almost he got to college and it seemed like there is in the court of public opinion, maybe half of the people observing wanted to see him fail. And he goes to Oklahoma, has some good moments and some not so good moments and ends up losing his job to Caleb Williams, which at the time, even at the time, I don't think was that huge of a red flag. And then we've seen the quarterback that Caleb Williams has become. He's about to be the number one pick, uh, likely to the Chicago Bears. Um, we still need uh, the. There's no that's not written in pen, but it's what we expect. Um, Jim Nagy, the um, VP of the Senior Bowl, mentioned in um, it wasn't in his press conference today, but in a previous podcast appearance. I'm forgetting who he was on with. I think it was the Athletic that. There's always guys that the NFL is a lot higher on than the media are. And Spencer Adler was the first name out of his mouth uh, in discussing that segment. I think that's probably true of the other some of the other quarterbacks here, like Joe Milton and Michael Pratt as well. Michael Pratt was the first quarterback or the first player who earned an invite to this year's senior bowl. They don't necessarily do it chronologically of who they're the highest on, but that showed at least, you know, some priority on the part of the senior bowl to get Pratt in this game. Um, so Rattler, I think he's got all the tools. Um, he's really athletic and played for an offensive line, played behind an offensive line that doesn't have many fans <laughs> in the greater college uh, football community. So I think there is a little bit of, uh, just throwing the team and maybe the system and maybe even the South Carolina coaching staff under the bus. Um, I'm certainly not doing that here. That's just kind of my reaction to it. So I think he's an, a compelling flyer. I think if the Vikings ignore quarterback uh, in the first two rounds, I don't know if he's on the board in the fourth round and they grab him, you know, I think, you know, people are still burned by, uh, using the third pick. It was a second round pick, but I think it was the third pick of the draft on Kellen Mond that it's like, there's no way like picking a guy here works. Um, and it is significantly lower chance that it would work out rather, as opposed to using your number 11 or trading up. But sometimes it happens, you know, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant and is uh, going to the Super Bowl. So I don't know that I am saying Wait on quarterback, draft Spencer Quasey, uh, for all the Vikings fans listening. But he is going to be – I think there's some people who think he could go and maybe even the second and maybe some people who have him on their do not draft lists. And those guys are always very compelling and fun to watch. He had an up and down day today, <laughs> almost a microcosm of his uh, whole um, uh, college career. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be – keeping you know both eyes on him for the rest of this week because uh, he is maybe the most interesting quarterback prospect in terms of the range of where he could go. I think I uh, enjoy the intrigue, but would never make the bet <laughs> on that guy. And even sure. you know that went for Kellen Mond that the night the Vikings drafted Kellen Mond, it was a unpopular opinion uh, that I had, which does happen sometimes on the show. I notice, but <laughs> for me, it was kind of like, 
I, I don't care. Like, I don't care that they picked a guy in the third round. This is probably a waste of a draft pick. Sure. And, you know, like he had had a lot of these things of, well, you know, it's a little inconsistent, but a pro offense and whatever. It's like if the whole league passes that many times, you can find your Dak Prescott, your Tom Brady, or your Brock Purdy. But most of the time, you're talking about 95% of those draft picks do not end up working out. Whereas if you take the guy in the first round, I mean, the, the way that it drops off for success is crazy. I mean, it's like in the first round, it's a coin flip. Right. And then by the time you get to the second round, it might be one in eight. And then by the time you get to the third or fourth, it might be one in 20. And so I think that if you're doing that, then you, that means you probably brought back her cousins, but also wanted to say you drafted a quarterback just to have drafted one. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really hugely buying the idea that Spencer Rattler can go from this up and down prospect that no one's really sure of to a mid round pick to a star in the NFL, which is really what you're looking for. Right. So I, I tend to be kind of against the let's just roll the dice on a, on a random quarterback with a lot of problems. I feel the same way about Joe Milton. It's great that he could throw the ball over the mountains. I don't really care. doesn't really look like a real quarterback. Maybe I'll be wrong. Um, let's talk about your impressions of uh, just the other positions, because unfortunately there are other positions that may get drafted by the Vikings yeah. in the first round. But I think, I think it's very clear what we're talking about though. When we say other positions, it's edge rusher, defensive tackle, and it's cornerback. I, they were really uh, exposed at the cornerback position. Byron Murphy goes down and it's just an abomination in the secondary on the defensive line. If Daniel Hunter goes, it's, bad actually whether he goes or stays but if he goes it's really bad along the defensive line what what is your sense for what is there at the senior bowl as far as the strength of players that the vikings could be looking at yeah there's definitely a lot of position groups with a lot of strengths on the defensive side of the ball here i think uh the you know scouting staff here and people I've spoken to so far are pretty bullish at, on the defensive players here at all three levels. Um, there are some big questions too. Uh, a player who popped for me today was NC State linebacker Peyton Wilson, uh, who I don't know will be <laughs> super super high up on the priority, but just you know a guy who has a ton of speed and was a tackling machine at uh, NC State. I think day three is when it can get fun. That's when. It's I believe it's two fourths, two fifths, two sixths, and a seventh that the Vikings currently have. And depending on if how much we see Quasi Cook, that the, those numbers could uh, you know multiply here before uh, before April. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different players um, here, and the Vikings have some of their defensive coaching staff represented on the national team roster. Um, uh, both Michael Hutchings, uh, who's a defensive backs assistant is here. Um, Amar J. Albury, who's a defensive line assistant is here. Um, he was uh, he, on the Vikings website. He's credited with uh, the development and uh, production we've seen of DJ Wanham, who is another senior bowl player uh, for uh, out of South Carolina in 2020. Um, I really like uh, cornerback Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo. Um, I don't know if he'll be in the mix at 11. Uh, he's make, making a lot of fans <laughs> um, in, the, in the draft process uh, so far. Um, you know, not a big time program Toledo, but it has been, you know, a pretty big, uh, pre pretty big star in this draft process for, for a while. Um, I think he was mocked in the first round, like one, I don't know when they start doing mocks. Usually it's the day after the draft and 
the previous April or so. But um, I think he's a name certainly keep uh, an eye on. Um, I think, you know, Flores is just going to want to, if he was in charge, he'd just draft like five straight cornerbacks, which I would actually be in favor of. It's kind of like talking about quarterback, just keep drafting one until you get one. Uh, cornerbacks, you're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to feel bad about having too many of them. Um, someone who I think, uh, you know, go for fans may be uh, familiar with out of the Big Ten, Rutgers cornerback, Max Melton, is just a fun player to watch. And I think he could be a fantastic nickel corner in the draft. Uh, is one of the fastest players on the field today. They have this technology where, you know, they're all wearing, I think it's a Q collar. And then immediately after practice, they say, hey, here's who's the fastest. Um, and we all get to freak out and pretend like that. <laughs> that absolutely means something. Uh, but I like Max Melton a lot as a potential, uh, you know, nickel corner. I'm not totally sure where in the draft um, he'll go, but I think is a player who, um, you know, could be there on day three. And um, edge rushers, um, I think Leia Tulatu is, you know, the one um, that we got to talk about because he just gets mocked to the Vikings kind of, kind of everywhere. Uh, Watch Latu a lot uh, in the in the Pac-12. Um, you know, he started at Washington, transferred to UCLA. He's had a lot of uh, injuries in his history as well, but he was fantastic. And I think I think it was Dane Brugler who just his analysis in his uh, I think it was in his Senior Bowl primer that he's just said Latu is John Wick, which is my favorite you know sentence in a scouting report I've read uh, in this process. Um, so I think we'll know more about him. I think medicals get a little bit more revealed at the combine, which I believe you will be at in Indianapolis in March. Um, so we'll want to keep a, keep an eye on Lea Tulatu um, going through this process. But he had a great day uh, today, and we'll be you know working with some Vikings coaches uh, as well. So whether how much the Vikings fall in love with him, uh, they're not going to tell me that, uh, but they'll certainly get a good read. And um, I'm sure, you know, with the two coaches we have on officially on the senior bowl staff, and I'm pretty sure the rest of the staff is here <laughs> already uh, or will be soon if they haven't gotten here yet. Folks, if you've been listening to the show, then you know how much fun we have been having with prize picks this year. Just go to prizepicks.com slash purple. Use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. And let me tell you how it works. If you haven't heard us talk about it enough yet or you haven't tried it yet, very simple. There are yardage totals on prize picks. You either pick more or less and boom. Each week has been a roller coaster ride of fun. And the best part is that when I have a bad week, I didn't lose much. It doesn't cost much to play. You can turn 10 bucks into 250 very easily. And if things go sideways for you, you're not out a whole heck of a lot of money. That is prizepicks.com slash purple. Just more or less on yardage totals and you are in prizepicks.com slash purple, the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. Folks, have you ever heard of test driving a phone network? I did not make this up. It is an actual thing. And US Cellular is letting you test drive their network for free for 30 days. You can try out US Cellular wherever you have that spotty service, like on your commute to work, that one spot in your house where your service dips. Test drive US Cellular at your kid's school on parent-teacher night. Okay, maybe still pay attention, but by all means, make sure you test it. It's as easy as doing a little boop, boop, boop on your phone. That was me getting the app to try it out. I know, 
Great sound effects there. Test drive U.S. Cellular's award-winning network for 30 days. U.S. Cellular built for us. Terms apply. Awards based on open signal independent data. Visit uscellular.com for details. But I don't want to just throw a million names at everybody because we'll just ease you into draft season. So everybody right. listening gets uh, familiarized as we go along. But somebody that uh, Alec Lewis, uh, my colleague at The Athletic, uh, uh, brought up uh, was a defensive lineman named Marshawn Neeland. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, th- I think with the Vikings in the interior rush has been such a huge problem for them. And I'd I'd like to see them find players, even if it's not in the first round uh, on that unit. And uh, I, I, you don't have to run through a whole scouting report on them or anything, but I just, the interior rush has been kind of an obsession for me over the last few years mm-hmm. because it blows my mind how little they have put into it since they draft Sheree Floyd in the first round. They had yeah. Tom Johnson for a bit as a situational rusher, and he was very good. And then past that, Sheldon Richardson for a single year. They try to bring Sheldon back. Wasn't the same. It's been such a massive issue. And then I watch the playoffs, and I see someone like Chris Jones and think, how do you even play against that? Like most guards weigh 280 or 290 pounds. Like how do you find one of these guys and, and I, I think that that should be a main focus for them, even if it's a second round pick instead of a first round pick. Yeah, I think that will definitely be one of their first picks off the board. Um, I think what's going to happen is depend some one pocket of Vikings fans is going to be left upset and empty handed because they don't have a third round pick. So, you know, they're not going to be able to draft a quarterback, edge rusher, cornerback and interior with within the first couple or uh, three rounds. So. Um, they'll, it'll be interesting to see what they think they can, um, solve by drafting later. Um, but you know, defensive line is, uh, in, in the interior defensive line, as you mentioned, has, it feels like it's been, you know, five to 10 years that it's, that's been an issue. It's kind of how I also feel about the interior offensive line. Um, but there is a, uh, Marshawn Neeland has a lot of fans here. Um, I haven't gotten to dive into, uh, what he can do on the field too much yet, um, but but we'll be paying close attention to him the rest of the week and the rest of the defensive tackles as well because that's another thing. Like they could just draft four of them and they'd all have a pretty clear path to making the roster out of training camp given that the cupboard is uh, pretty bare. So um, I definitely think that's something that if it's addressed in the first round um, or the second round, um, would be pretty likely. Uh, I'm a little upset that a uh, Texas defensive interior defensive lineman, Byron Murphy had to bow out. Cause I wanted <laughs> to, to one watch him play a lot, but I think it'd be great if the Vikings just had multiple Byron Murphy's on the, on the same defensive unit. So just for a fun little, you know, <laughs> name pairing there, but yeah, so he's someone, I, I don't think it's serious, um, but is definitely a name that I would have excited to see down here in mobile, who is sadly not here, but Definitely a, a pretty intriguing uh, position group with a lot of guys from a lot of different kinds of programs and a variety of play styles that uh, I think, you know, Flores would love to get five of <laughs> in, in this draft. That's right. Uh, not enough picks and uh, way too many positions is kind of the definition of where it feels like they've been even since uh, Kwesi Adafo Mensa took over. Right. One last position I want to ask you about 
is the running back position. Mm -hmm. Feels like every year at the Senior Bowl, there's some guy who's kind of underrated or isn't really thought a whole lot of, and then he explodes a little bit in the Senior Bowl. And then when he has good games in the NFL, I see all the people who went to the Senior Bowl be like, we knew it. That guy was great (laughs) at the Senior Bowl. Uh, The Vikings are not in, they're not in any position to take a running back high. They would be insane to do that because of all the other more important needs. At the same time, though, uh, Ty Chandler is not somebody who I could say is this dead set RB1. They could pick somebody up in free agency. That's always very risky because usually if they've reached free agency, they're old and no one wants them anymore. So that's also a risk as well. Fourth, fifth round. You mentioned they have a lot of picks there. That seems like the right spot to start looking for running backs. What do we got at the Senior Bowl to to think about there? Well, if I had to pick a fan favorite from day one, it would be uh, Dylan Lauby from the University of New Hampshire, uh, which everyone, of course, knows that they just turn out, you know, Walter Payton's in that backfield. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, get to know him. Uh, He popped, had a number of big plays, and uh, had a great college career um, playing with uh, the – Minnesota Golden Gophers new quarterback Max Brosmer um, over uh, at New Hampshire Um, so he's a guy that I think will be um, available uh, later on Um, I think uh, Marshall running back Rasheen Ali uh, made a lot of money today Um, and another guy I mean I'm starting to just list list guys and and name after name after name of people I've just mostly seen highlights of but like but uh out of Troy uh Kamani Vidal um he kind of reminded me a little bit of Maurice Jones Drew in his tape which is a wild comparison to make I'm not saying he'll be Maurice Jones Drew uh unless he is amazing and then I'll be one of those people on Twitter saying I knew he'd be Maurice Jones Drew at the Senior Bowl Matthew um so uh there definitely is and I think this kind of turns into a running backs like showcase a little bit you know you you're got you have a ton of guys who are all coming from different teams and you need to give them a game plan to allow them to be successful while also, you know, teaching them more things. So it's just, I think you often see a running game is ahead of a passing game, you know, early and look at high school training camps and college training camps. Um, the running game usually pops up earlier uh, in practice. They're allowed to just kind of run wild and you just get to see them a little bit more, you know, receivers catch the ball and they run 50 yards to the goal line just to finish the play anyway. Uh, but running backs, you, they do that too, but you at least get to see the kind of like the cut they would make at the line of scrimmage. Um, so you get a little bit more, um, even though they're, <laughs> running against air and not going to get, you know, lit up by a linebacker or anything like that. Um, but Lau- both Lauby and uh, Ali looked um, really good today, but it is an, it's an interesting group uh, for sure um, from a wide range of, uh, of programs as, as well. More, more small school guys that are here in mobile anyway. Um, and which like, yeah, the Vikings aren't going to use, even if they had a third round pick, I don't think you'd, you'd see them use a day one or two pick on a running back. But I think it is clear that they do need another horse in that backfield and they will don't have, they'll, they'll they'll have some money to spend in free agency, but I don't think they'd go into the free agency pool for the running back position unless it's a bargain bin acquisition. And, you know, what are the odds on that working out? So I think one of these small school guys you could see as a good fit for the Vikings and, you know, round four or later. And there's certainly some guys who uh, have taped that pop and looked pretty good on the practice field today. Yeah, absolutely. It's always something to watch for me is the senior bowl running backs, because uh, I think in the game, they have a really good chance to emerge as well. And sometimes it's hard to evaluate 
in the actual senior bowl game, the quarterbacks, because chemistry <clears throat> is such a big deal learning the offense. But with running backs, it's a lot more of what's their raw skill. Can they dodge tacklers? Can they make quick cuts? Can they have good vision when things are muddy? So we kind of get a better evaluation there a lot of times on them. It's a position I'll definitely be watching for those day three guys. All right, before we wrap up, Terry, what is the thing you are most interested in going forward here for the rest of the senior bowl. And as I mentioned, we're going to talk again sure. later in the week, but uh, as this thing plays out, what's kind of at the top of your list? Uh, just how much of a show that Penix and Knicks can uh, put on. Um, we'll see if they uh, really sort of take the reins off a little bit more in these uh, next couple of practices and what they'll allow them to do uh, on Saturday. Like, like you said, Often we don't get these crazy uh, passing performances, though the MVP of this game does usually tend to be a quarterback as most MVPs work. Um, but I do think with those two names, it sets this up. I think there's more interest around this senior bowl and may, than there's maybe ever been because it seems like interest in the game grows each year. And this is it's the 75th anniversary of the game here in Mobile and you have two premium quarterbacks and people are arguing about whether they belong in the top 10 or not, which is just something that uh, the draft community can argue about for three months. And um, so I'm just, you know, looking forward to more uh, highlight plays out of the two of them and just be thankful that they're not playing against Oregon state ever again. Senior bowl correspondents for purple insider, Terry <laughs> Horseman. Uh, we will talk again yeah, there you go. Well, uh, it is for everybody uh, to be a part of Purple Insider. And they don't tell me that enough, so I appreciate it. Um, but uh, no, great, great stuff. Great analysis. And we'll talk again later in the week. So have a good time down there, man. Really appreciate your help. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matthew. Talk soon.